Hello, and welcome to the Big Leads Press Pass podcast. I'm your host, Liam McEwen, and today with us, we have Vic Tafer of The Athletic here to talk some Raiders and a little bit about his journey through sports media. Vic, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, no problem. How's it going? All right, cool, cool, cool. So, as always, we're just going to start with Vic. How about you kind of just take us through your journey in this industry from when you first realized that being a sports journalist was something that you wanted to do to where you are now covering the Raiders for The Athletic? Well, I kind of fell into it pretty early. Um, my first day, actually before my first day in college, I went to Cal Berkeley, and there was an ad in the student paper. I hadn't done it in high school, but I was always a big sports fan. But there was an ad in the student paper that they were looking for uh, sports writers for uh, the Daily Californian. So uh, I was before I actually uh, first day of school, I moved. I went to the meeting and I uh, hit off with some of the bosses there. One of the bosses was Michael Silver, now at the NFL Network. Um, so he and I became good friends. I just kind of fit in, and then I loved it. And I spent more time at the uh, at the student paper office than I did actually on campus, probably in my my five <laughs> years there. But uh, just kind of caught the bug, and I did it uh, ever since. Nice. And did you start off writing about football at Cal Berkeley, or was it a little bit more varied? You got to pay your dues. My first assignment was uh, wheelchair tennis, which was definitely a very challenging assignment to write about. And then I went, I went from there. I went to uh, cross country, and I went. I covered tennis, and uh, what else did I cover? Uh, women's soccer, and uh, I think swimming. And so you, and finally, you get to basketball and football by the time you're a, a junior and senior. But um, yeah, I didn't really know I wanted to football. I mean, uh, kind of, I always love basketball. It's not my favorite sport to play and to watch, but I've always also enjoyed football. I played a little bit in high school. So um, just got a couple of internships out of college. I went to Missouri for one, LA Times for a couple of times. And then, um, you know, I just kind of uh, never really got tired of it. There's always new challenges. And I kind of enjoyed talking to athletes, kind of you know, getting in conversations with them. And I always liked writing kind of uh, trying to figure out what the reader wanted to, to read and what that could give them as far as if they had both, if they had watched the game, if they hadn't, I like, wanted to make sure I, I wrote to both audiences. So um, the Dallas Morning News for an internship, I was in Miami Herald for about a year and a half. I kind of saw the whole country in my early days, I wasn't for too long. I came back home and I worked at the Examiner and I was at the, um, after the Examiner, I went to the LA Times um, and I, the, the, the kind of the, the real fun job I had early on was I was the um, the West Coast uh, correspondent for the New York Times. I got to cover um, Barry Bonds' home run chase. I got to cover the NFL tournament in Seattle. I went down and did the Kobe Bryant playoffs, and he was up in the, in the rape trial. So just some really cool things up and down the West Coast for about a year and a half in the New York Times. And then the Chronicle offered me a full-time job, which was better than a part-time job. So I took that, and I was there for about 12 years. I was um, – Covered Cal basketball, and I started covering. Uh, actually, before the Chronicle, I was the Oakland Tribune. I covered the uh, the Warriors for a couple of years. Kind of um, forgot about that. And um, the Chronicle eventually opened my way up to uh, to covering the Raiders. And I was the Chronicle for 12 years before I went to the Athletic uh, three years ago. Oh, okay, yeah, that's uh, quite a looping journey you got there to end up back on the West Coast. What made what was appealing about the Athletic to you after spending so much time at the Chronicle? It was exciting. It was kind of a new idea, a new venture, and uh, I needed something different. I've been the Chronicle for a long time. And I liked it there, but um, you know, you're always curious about the future of, of uh, the industry and the newspapers in general, and also about just new ways of looking at how we can uh, cover sports. I thought the Athletic had some really cool uh, people in charge. I really liked their ideas. I liked the idea of uh, of really giving readers what they really what they wanted and kind of uh, 
making sure that you know, they were rewarded for paying for a subscription. Like obviously, I felt like a, you know definitely mm-hmm. want to work hard and kind of give them a fresh perspective and kind of write it in a different way than you would just for a newspaper. Not as much you know up to the minute stuff and more like kind of you know, more deeper analysis and kind of a more featurey and more profiles and kind of a bigger uh, look at the whole thing. Absolutely. And um, was that like a little bit of a transition from your previous positions? Got that sort of deeper analysis that you're talking about on a consistent basis? Yeah, just because I mean, I'll give you some examples like the um, at, at newspapers, like I'd say game day, like game day, kind of have the different editions, you know, every day and even on the weekends. So you have to like write like a running gamer as the game's going along and you got to file that game story as soon as the, the game ends, right? And so like most of the fourth quarter, uh, unfortunately, you have your head in your computer. You kind of watch the game. You also have to write and, and make sure this is ready to you know, hit the button when the game is over, so you can go and, and, and print, be printed right, right away online, and also for the first edition. So you're, you're not really watching the game as closely as you want to. I think you're definitely um, preoccupied. Mm-hmm. That's definitely a skill you develop, and uh, you know, I mean, to, to write fast and kind of on the spot. But now that um, at the athletic, there's no more you know running game stories. Now you can kind of actually watch the fourth quarter, and if you can, not worry about filing your story until about two or two and a half hours after the game is over. So to me, that was a, a big difference. Also, just like, um, like say, like my example, like if you're working on a daily paper, say, you know, the backup guard, you know, pulls a hamstring or whatever on a Tuesday practice, the Wednesday practice, at the old job, you have to run to your laptop and write like, you know, four inch, four paragraphs for like a, you know, blog post or update, kind of like, you know, just any kind of breaking news required right away an immediate um, answer but now I mean you definitely if it's a bigger star you definitely have to still write quickly but you don't need to worry about the smaller things you can always you know you can just focus on the bigger things and kind of deeper issues and talking to players and coaches and so I think that for me that's definitely a, after paying my dues for a long time it's kind of a rewarding way to look at it and kind of kind of take on the uh, the beat yeah absolutely and was that like the, was that the biggest transition for you as far as going from print to only online, or were there other aspects of that just operationally that you had to get used to? No, I, mean, I was lucky, I guess, because I did the same beats. I pretty much you know, I was covering the Raiders for the Chronicles, and I went and did the same things in a different way for the Athletics. So I think as far as um, you know, the, the actual going to practice every day and talking to the same players and coaches and kind of uh, that part didn't change for the Napa for training camp and the traveling. So that part of the job is the same, just how I did it and the outlook and kind of my goals is what I wanted to accomplish every week. I, you know, I tried to make you know, bigger picture type stories um, that I targeted and kind of made a you know, schedule of. So I just kind of, I, I approached it a different way, but because of my experience on the beat and dealing with the players already, I definitely, it wasn't that hard a transition for me. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And now, you know, here you are, you are in a very unique spot for a sports journalist, you're covering a team that is moving cities. And that obviously doesn't happen very often as a West coast native kind of, how do you feel about that from a personal perspective and then from a journalistic perspective as well? Personally, you know, I think it stinks. I've lived in Oakland for a long time and East Bay guy. So to me to watch Oakland first, you know, lose the Warriors and now lose the Raiders. I mean, it's tough. I think um, an A's are hopefully going to get a new stadium, but just, I think it's um it's a sad thing for the city. I think they both have such story histories, both the two franchises that left and just they were a big part of the fabric here. So uh, that part was hard. I think just to talk to people who live here and people who've been going to games for you know 
30 years, you know, for, you know, both these teams, you know, the Warriors and the Raiders had long stretches of being really bad, you know, and these fans stuck with them. Like, I mean, I, you know, I covered the Warriors a couple of years and like, they were terrible. And this is like, people don't remember those days, but uh, the fans still came out and still support them. Same with the Raiders. I mean, they still saw a place out even when the team was um, not doing well. So you know, they paid their dues and, you know, to no fault of their own, their team's leaving. So to me, that part hit home. I felt bad for the fans here. The other side is a journalist and, and someone covering the NFL. It's definitely exciting uh, for a team to go to a new market. I know players are pretty excited about the, all the Vegas has to offer. But um, obviously right now, the pandemic has kind of set that back. But at some point, I think we'll get back to that. And I think just, um, yes, the new stadium is going to be beautiful. I think that was a big deal here. They couldn't get a new stadium in Oakland. And so I think the, um, that's coming along nicely. So just the whole, you know, every time you get something new and shiny, it's kind of a, it's kind of a cool experience. Yeah, absolutely. And then how are, um, so like you said, pandemic is kind of setting everything back a little bit, but once everything eventually kind of gets back to some level of normal, how are you going to be handling uh, doing the Raiders games? Are you moving to Las Vegas or are you going to be traveling to Vegas for each game or what's your plan there? Well, so let's go in flux, but I think the plan right now is that we're going to, um, we'll have someone there in Vegas, uh, Deshaun Reed just got hired by us um, from Florida. Uh, he covered Florida State for an athletic. He's going to be covering them on a daily basis uh, in Las Vegas. And I'll be coming out for about three or four days a week. I'll come off of practices like two or three days a week and back home on Sunday. So I think that will be our approach at first. And we'll kind of see how it goes, kind of play it by ear. But, you know, the season's going to be such a – who knows when they're going to start and what the, the training camp deal is going to be. So we'll kind of have to, like – adjust our plans as we go forward but right now the plan is he'll be there full time every day i'll be there most of the time during the week okay yeah that'll everything is definitely in flux until then but sounds like you guys have a good idea of it now one other thing that i did want to ask you is you said you covered the warriors way back when right and now they're very good so just from your perspective how was it seeing them suddenly become extremely good after covering them during their bad years no, it's definitely it's uh, it was kind of shocking. I mean, a lot of fans I know couldn't believe it for at first because even when Steph Curry first got here, it wasn't it wasn't like they were great all of a sudden. Hopefully, also some rough patches for Steph Curry. So I just think that it was just a you know, great job by the Warriors in terms of the planning and the foresight and the drafting. And just I think these fans kind of uh, just to see it all happen finally for them was just kind of uh, I think it was both obviously really cool, but also kind of shocking. Kind of like you know disbelief a little bit. Like when I. Um, I had a chance to go out when they won the first um, the first title. I actually was uh, helping the Chronicle out with the Warriors coverage. I was in the locker room uh, when they were celebrating that first title. I remember just going back to my days of covering, like, you know, Gilbert Arenas and Bob Sura and just, just the misery in that team and, like, just everyone, like, trying to actually – trying not, try not to get hurt, but trying to like maybe have some kind of injury that might you know, hold you off the rest of the year to get your season over early. So just a huge difference in, uh, in, um, in atmosphere. It's kind of, it's kind of cool. It's the people who, there's a handful of people who are still with their organization from, from my day. So just to see those people still there and just, it's fun to talk to them about how much their lives have changed and what they're seeing. is so different than what they had seen before. Yeah. I was like asking that question when it, it comes to the Warriors, especially because I end up interviewing a lot of people who covered the Warriors at some time or are currently covering the Warriors, and it's always fun to hear them describe kind of how that transition was. But yeah, no, that's that's a quite quite the journey through media there. And you said that you did like a lot of internships kind of all over the place. Obviously, West Coast is your home; that's what you like best. But when you were kind of traveling out and about, what was your favorite spot? 
Uh, that's a good question. Um, I love my I love South Beach. So I was in Miami for about uh, an internship there for one summer. I kind of got extended throughout the fall. I did like dolphin sidebars and hurricane sidebar. I was there about seven, eight months. I was a young man. I was probably, uh, in my, I forget when I was, early, early 20s. And that's a good place to be when you're in your early 20s. I mean, uh, I remember my first night, I had a, a dolphin sidebar and I had a meeting um, with the bosses the next morning. So I went out for a drink with uh, some people, you know, some other writers, because uh, yeah, I had a good time. I remember I was going to, um, you know, it was cool to last call. I figured, so I, I was having a good time. Kind of lost track of the time. And I asked the bartender, hey, man, uh, and for some reason, I didn't have a watch. I asked the bartender, uh, what time was last call? He's like, oh, there's no last call. I was like, oh, my God. What, what, what time is this? Like, oh, it's it's, four, it's 420. I'm like, oh. So I had a, you know, a meeting at 8 o'clock with the, my new boss. That was like first, my first or second week there. So you learn quickly. But, um yeah, I love Miami, and uh, I actually like Dallas. Dallas is fine too. I was there for a couple summers, but um, I think Miami is my favorite, my favorite spot. Yeah, I don't think you can go wrong there, and <laughs> you do learn, even if you learn the hard way. Sometimes that's funny. Anyway, let's uh, let's talk some Raiders. Draft was last weekend. You know, very exciting times, especially given everything that's going on. It was a much needed distraction for all of us, I think. And the Raiders specifically, they uh, really boosted up their receiving depth, especially in this draft. Uh, and as Mike Mayock has mentioned a couple times this offseason, the Raiders had a pretty okay offense last year going by the statistical numbers, but they just didn't score points. So starting with Henry Ruggs, how do you see this new wide receiver blood helping achieve that goal that is the goal of all the teams, which is to score more points? That yeah, should be good. I thought that, you know, there were three, clearly three top receivers in this draft. I thought Judy, Lamb, and, and Ruggs uh, were all really close. I thought the Raiders really couldn't go wrong. Uh, if any of those three guys, and I thought Ruggs may have had more most upside because of his just his raw speed and he, he plays like he's a very tough player. Like people think of a, of a fast guy and traditionally you know, it's not great hands and kind of is not maybe a little, a little bit soft. But Ruggs is he's a he's a tough guy. He, like you see, he t- when he makes tackles, and interceptions, he's very blocks really well. He's very physical for his size. Has really good hands too. Had probably the best um like one of the best numbers in the country as far as drops over his career. So I just think the upside is, is huge there. I think um. I'll give John Green a chance to use him different ways. He can run jet sweeps. He can give him the ball, you know, slants and take care of his breakaway speed. Also throwing the ball over the top. So just a huge, huge weapon and a huge piece that they didn't have last season. Yeah, absolutely. That speed will be game-changing for Derek Carr and all those guys. But on the other side of the Raiders' first-round draft picks, they made potentially, some would say, the most puzzling choice of the first round when they took Damon Arnett pretty high compared to where he was on a lot of draft boards. Now that you have had a couple of days to kind of digest that, what's your look? Uh, do you feel like that was a reach by them? And what was the team's thinking behind going for him that hot? I have two, I have two ways of thinking about it. First, when it first happened, I was definitely shocked. I definitely thought it was a reach. And people looked at all the, you know, the cornerback previews before the draft. We, we wrote one. He wasn't in our top, you know, I don't think he was in our top 10. They've been like eight or nine, but he wasn't in the top guys we looked at as far as first or second round targets. And so, but, I talked to a coach last night about this, and he had a good way of looking at it, which I, I definitely agree with. So what, in all those cornerback previews, all the, all the experts, and I talked about it, it was clearly a, a top two guys. It was Akuda Henderson of the top two cornerbacks in, in the draft by far. But everyone agreed there was a huge drop-off, and the list would start from, you know, I mean, A.J. Terrell and just a bunch of other guys after that. But if you look at in hindsight – all those guys after the top two were kind of, you know, grouped together. It wasn't like the, you can say AJ Terrell was a lot better than the other guys. So I can definitely see where each team 
probably had like five or six favorite guys in different orders after that first two. And so I could definitely see where the Raiders had um, around uh, on that, sorry, a lot higher than other teams did. So I mean, it makes sense that after those top two guys, I think all the rankings, all the boards around the league were probably a lot different. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Mayock does like his blue chip program. So I feel like that from an outside perspective, probably played a little bit of a part, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he had a good point. I think much of this year with the pandemic and, you know, uncertainty, they're having viral workouts right now. Who knows when camp will start? So I think that you definitely want to draft smarter players and smarter and players who are used to being a top program. They're kind of like almost professionally run programs as far as just the support system and, and the, the gym and the, and, the, and the trainers. So I just think that the playbook and the, and the sophistication of the offense and defense, I just think that he's looking at guys who are from big school programs but the transition will be easier for them out to the NFL than it would be for other guys this year. Yeah, absolutely. And on that, on a similar vein, as you noted in a recent column, Mayock has, at this point over the last two years, drafted seven guys from the 2019 College Football Championship, which was his first scouting assignment as GM of the Raiders. So based off of last year's collection of guys, Farrell, uh, Trayvon Mullen, Hunter Renfro, and Josh Jacobs, what's the early return on this strategy from really leaning on that specific group? I think it's been good. I think the only complaint that uh, Raider fan could probably have, uh, and last year's draft class played really well, but I think, you know, Furl still at four, that seems way a little high. I mean, I think the plan was back then was to trade down. Again, they liked his character and like his skill set a lot, but I don't think um, he's viewed as a top five, you know, yeah. caliber player in the draft. So I think they want to trade down, and they couldn't trade down for a bunch of reasons. Like other teams didn't, didn't want to trade up. Then you're stuck. Like, do you really want to you reach somebody else? Or you go with the guy you like, even though you know him maybe too high, and they went with that case. And I just think he's not really a typical quick twitch pass rusher. He's more of a you know stout defensive end, probably better against the run than against the pass. So I'm I'm not sure the impact's going to be there. I think he has one of those guys you say he's a he's a high a high mm-hmm. floor, and the ceiling may not be as high. But I just think um, in hindsight, that's the one pick of, of all of them that they probably would want back. But um, again, he's he's fine. So I just think that. Um, as far as the other guys, Trevon Mullen had a nice year last year. I just think you see, um, I think um, Josh Jacobs obviously should have been rookie of the year in on offense. So I think it's worked for the most part pretty well. This uh, the strategy. Yeah, absolutely. And then looking at the quarterback position, the Raiders gave Marcus Mariota a lot of money to be their backup this season. Do you anticipate a just legitimate straight up competition in whatever iteration of training camp we're going to have, or is he more of a rather expensive break in case of emergency option? I think it's going to be hard. Again, with, this, with the whole you know, lack of offseason program, I think it's hard for a quarterback to come in and establish any kind of you know, rhythm with receivers and kind of get the, a full grasp of the playbook. I think it's going to be hard doing it virtually. I think Derek Carr is the seventh year. It's definitely third year with Gruden. So I think he has a huge leg up. I think it's his job. He's the starting quarterback. But I do think at some point uh, this season, if he struggles, if like the offense kind of like last year kind of takes a step back after the first half of the year, and Mariota's ready, then I think you might see some competition. You might see him get pushed. I think that was the whole point. I think they wanted someone to push Carr for the first time in his career. I think they liked Mariota's upside. They liked the player he was, you know, coming out of college. He's a rare athletic ability to, to, to make plays with his feet, and also he throws pretty well. So I just think that um, it's there for him. I definitely, he came here, uh, with the, he wants to compete at some point, and I think there's a lot of incentives in his contract where if he is able to take 
Derek Carr's job at some point. He's going to pay off handsomely not only this year, but next year's contract. It definitely rolls over pretty nicely for him if he can win the job. Otherwise, if he doesn't, he's pretty much a one-year guy because they're not going to pay him $10 million next year to be a backup. So I think um, if he's not able to take Derek Carr's job, there'll be a one-year $7.5 million deal, and he probably, you know, whatever. But if he is able to do it, then it could be a much, much more lucrative deal for him. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Carr is such an interesting case because he had that one great year and then he broke his leg. And then he's been sort of like middling to above average, it feels like, in the years since. But he's definitely not bad. And so, and the Raiders have like a lot of some other roster holes and he can't put it all on Carr. But at the same time, is he the type of guy who's going to win you games on his own? I'm not sure yet. Yeah, the fan base is really split. It's kind of, if you ever on social media, it's really amazing to saw the, the, the huge um, you know, love-hate thing he has with the fans. I just think that, because um, people are tired of excuses, but he does, there are legitimate excuses also. I mean, I think the fact that they've tried every year to bring in receivers, and every year it hasn't worked out. Like, two years ago, they brought in Martavis Bryant, but he still had all kind of issues he was dealing with. He wasn't really reliable. They brought in Joey Nelson, who turns out was old and slow. They should have known that. He was probably past his prime. It didn't work out. And last year, I was Antonio Brown. Uh, that was a huge disaster. The guy couldn't get off you know, social media and just um, had so many problems and kind of just exploded and you know, just combusted for everyone's eyes. And now he's out of the league. So I just think um, Tyrell Williams also got hurt uh, both of his feet last year. So I just think that there are excuses there, but you know, excuses sometimes are valid. So I just think the jury's still out. Like they've tried to get this year to bring him uh, more weapons. And I think uh, we keep saying this is the prove it year for Derek Carr, but this year it really is. Because this year they only and they brought in weapons. They also brought in somebody to take his job that doesn't you know play up to what they want. So this is a whole new level of of, uh, of this is the you know, this is the year for, for Derek Carr. Mm, definitely, and obviously, like we were talking about. Uh, with everything as it is, it's going to be kind of tough for rookies and new guys to get acclimated to everything about the Raiders. But And we've talked already about Ruggs and Arnett, but other than those guys out of the Raiders draft class this year, who could, in your eyes, potentially make an impact that you might not expect? I think Lynn Bowden, Lynn Bowden sorry, is a very interesting player. He's a guy who was a Wildcat quarterback uh, for Kentucky last year just because they were so bad they wanted him to step in. Normally he was a receiver. Uh, and a running back, and and now at this level, he's going to be a running back at first. He'll back up Josh Jacobs, but I definitely think we're going to use him uh, as a slot a little bit. We'll use him probably in, in some wildcat packages and some kind of cool ways to use him. He's a, a make and miss kind of guy. Has, there's an amazing thing on the internet where you know putt return in high school for 95 yards, and he probably made every guy miss twice. So it just uh, it's a rare athlete, and that's why he went in the third round. So, very exciting player. You don't know how he's going to fit in exactly, but you know there are definitely ways where he could, where they would definitely give him a, a huge weapon on offense. Yeah, absolutely. And between that selection and bringing in Mariota, it seems like Greer might be fiddling with some wildcat concepts this summer, at least. You'd hope so. Last year, I mean, I think the one, a couple knocks on John, the playbook's been a little stale. I think a lot of people talk about I mean, that's the one thing I think is ironic about the whole Derek Carr criticism. A lot of fans hate Carr because he's Mr. Checkdown Charlie. He's always never going deep. But that's actually what John wants. John doesn't want you to throw the ball for grabs. I mean, he urges you to check it down and, and, and believe for the next play and not to risk anything. So I think a lot of the problems that people have with Carr's play over the last couple of years is also tied to the playbook a little bit. The playbook has not been, in recent years, it's kind of been pretty pretty tight. So 
I think it would have changed last year. I know John had a lot of plays. He drew off Antonio Brown that you know, went in the waste basket, but hopefully he's, he took him back out and he can use him this year with, uh, with his new talent. Mm-hmm. It'll be fascinating to watch for sure. Now for the last part here, we're just going to ask some more fun, lighthearted questions. Uh, what is your, and this is as general as you want it to be or as specific as you want it to be, what is your favorite football memory? My favorite football memory? Um one that comes to mind right away is I was um, I think I was at the um, examiner and I was at some other some other part time freelance stuff and I got a, um, the Green Bay Post Gazette I believe it was they want someone to help them uh, uh, cover a Packers Raiders game that was here and I kind of like to just do a sidebar and that was a game where Brett Favre uh, played for his uh, for his father just passed away and he just lit the place up and that was a really incredible atmosphere and this. Probably you know, the most amazing thing I've seen live, just the just the, the way he won that game, the way he kind of even for him went to a whole other level, just kind of the focus and just uh, you know it was very emotional. I mean, I've always been a sucker for like you know father son movies and those kind of things, so it was definitely uh, one of my favorite uh, sports memories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great one. And on a similar vein, what's your favorite NFL stadium that you've been to? Favorite NFL stadium. Uh, yeah, my memory's not very good. They all kind of blur together for me. Um, I think I really liked Lambeau um, way back. My first time I went there, I was covering the Niners uh, for a while, many 20 years ago. And it still had that old-school feel to it. It's kind of changed a little bit. It's been a little renovated over the years. I don't like it as much. But I do like the old-school places like that. And I like uh, back in the old days, uh, Three Rivers. I like it. So I think the oldest game, I'm not a big fan of all the new ones. So anything that's kind of older than 10 years, I probably prefer those stadiums. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's classic. And then, what is your uh, favorite place to eat in Oakland? My favorite place to eat in Oakland. Uh, that's a good one. Um, there's a Korean barbecue place uh, down the block, Ogani, which um, I, I'm a big Korean barbecue guy, so that's probably my favorite spot. Though I, I like a lot of variety, but uh, that's definitely the one where I definitely uh, get serious about eating different kinds of, uh, of meat and. Uh, Country and just kind of uh, go to town. So I'll say Ogani uh, Korean barbecue. Yeah, good call. I'll keep that in mind. I actually had Korean barbecue right before the world shut down for the first time ever, and I was blown away. So I'm definitely going there next time I'm in Oakland. Gotta gotta keep indulging there. Um, yeah. what, what's one thing about this job that you feel like other people don't know or they don't really understand? Oh, I just think the kind of the inner workings, like I mean, people um, just as far as like how you get breaking stories and how you deal with agents and kind of the whole the teams and just, um, and, and I think that's probably the biggest, especially in football, like the agents are such a huge um, deal as far as controlling the narrative and kind of getting stories up to certain, like every time you see like say a national uh, ESPN reporter break, like a, you know, someone signing and you wonder how to get that story. Like why didn't the local guy get that story? I mean, why does, um, you know, I think a lot of it's because these agents want, their players to have the more visible kind of, you know, statement. They want to have the news to be as visible as possible. So they want to kind of, it's always about you know, putting your guy in the best light. So I think there's all these kind of deals you have with agents and national writers. It's fine. I'm sure there's, you know, favorites that go back and forth. But I just think that uh, to me, the, the, the role of the agent in controlling, you know, what stories get out and when to me has always been fast. I'm not sure people realize that on, on the outside. Yeah. That's a very interesting aspect. And then finally, what's one thing about, so obviously you've been in this industry for a long time and the way that the news is delivered and all this stuff has changed dramatically, but 
Is there anything, one particular thing you wish you knew about being a journalist back when you walked into the Cal Berkeley newspaper uh, center on that first day there? No, I can't really think of one. You know, you just learn as you go along. I think obviously um, you learn how to ask questions better. You learn to like be patient. But I just um, I don't think of, I can't think of one thing that stands out as I wish I knew. I think um, you just learn to deal with people, and, and, and the best way to do that is experience. So I think um, there really are no shortcuts. I think that's the thing with today's people kind of come out of nowhere with the, the, the blogs and the social media influencers and people who don't really have. You know, a background in journalism are kind of uh, taking over that role now. They're kind of becoming you know, newsmakers and kind of reporting with players, and that's cool. But I just think the experience it really helps you deal with situations a lot better. And I'm glad that I had it. I mean, I wouldn't be the same I am now without you know whatever it is. But now, 20, 25 years of doing this, so uh, no shortcuts, no real lessons. I wish I had learned uh, back then. All right, well, that's as good as answer as any, I'd say. Thanks so much for coming on, Vic. I really appreciate you taking uh, taking the time and giving us some insightful and honest answers about journalism and the Raiders. Appreciate it. How about check out.